together. Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity we have to be still and know that you're God, to recognize your love, to recognize your grace, and to be challenged in our Christian walk and to be challenged to live as your daughters and sons, uh, to represent you and to reflect you in the world in which we, we move and we breathe and, and we live life. And may this be a time in which our, our spiritual batteries are recharged and we're refueled as we worship you. And may everything we do in this service uh, lift your name up on high, I recognize you as the God that you are and the Father that you are. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. This morning, I want to bring a message to you of confinement, confession, communion. And hopefully this will make sense for you. And remember, we're talking about some divine appointments that we have with God or God has with us. And one of these that are mentioned here in Scripture is in the book of Jonah. And Jonah is another one that had an appointment with God. And that appointment process uh, led Jonah to see God again. As we're talking about the divine appointment process that Jonah had with God, Jonah was at a point in his life that he was filled with distraction. And his distraction was more in, in tune with himself. And God had commanded Jonah to do something. And Jonah was running from the opportunity that God had gave him. And he was distracted with the things around him and within him. And God got his attention. And we know the story. We learned it maybe in, as a child where, where Jonah was swallowed up by the fish. And it's a remarkable story in Scripture of what actually took place and the result of him being in the belly of the fish, the result of what happened inside that fish, and after he got back on dry ground is remarkable. And the reason why it's remarkable is because God had an appointed time for him. God captured the attention of Jonah beyond what Jonah could ever imagine and dream. God had an appointed time for him and dealt with Jonah in all of the distractions that Jonah had in his life. Jonah's story is very simple. Jonah is a child of God, and yet he ran from his father. God pursued his child in the eye of that storm, in the wings of that storm. And that storm, of course, forced Jonah to reconsider everything that God had given him and the path that God placed and chosen for Jonah. This short book is yet a record of those difficult days, and yet it is a reflection back on the events when Jonah confessed that he felt abandoned by God, and yet he realized that he had to do something deep within himself in order for him to see God again. So we have a tendency to think that during difficult times and times that, that hit us in the face, that God is distant and removed. But in Jonah's case, God was more closer to Jonah than what he could actually realize. Sometimes even we may interpret events in our own life as being silence. God is silent because he has become indifferent with our situation. We begin to interpret that God is removed 
from our difficulty and where are you, God, and why are you allowing this to happen and will you come near me? But in all the while, it's not God has removed himself from us. In fact, he's probably moved a little closer. It's whether or not we recognize his presence and recognize what he's doing for us. So God's presence enables us to go through the trials and even the ones that we, are, we have created by our own disobedience because we succumb to the distractions. Today, you are distracted. Today, you are distracted. Every day, I am distracted. Every moment of our life, we are distracted. Whether we choose that distraction to capture our attention is one thing or another. And so the distractions are there, and yet you and I must choose, are we going to listen to those distractions and act on them, or are we going to try to dismiss those distractions and focus on the Lord? And so Jonah has a distraction, and it's huge, and it's an angry fish, and yet at the same time, Jonah's going to have to choose. Do I focus on the fish or do I focus on what God's saying to me inside the belly of this fish? Now let's read Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 through 9. Jonah prayed to the Lord God inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, or should we say in my own distraction, and he answered me. I cried up for help, cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas. The current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you, but, B-U-T, but you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remember the Lord. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you. With a voice of thanksgiving, I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. Jonah was just hoping for a burp. <laughs> but he got what he wanted. Leonard Sweet tells of an unusual tribal custom that pictures God's presence during dark hours. One tribe of Native Americans had a unique practice for training young braves, and on the night of the boy's 13th birthday, the, you know, he would spend the entire night alone in the woods. You know, what happened was that going into those woods, he then had, the, had to be there by himself, no weapons, no bow, no arrow, nothing, no knives, no spears, nothing. He had to spend the night by himself 
on his 13th birthday in the woods to basically as an initiation to welcome to manhood. And so on that night, he would be blindfolded and taken away from the tribe so that he didn't know where he was when the blindfold was removed. And when he took off the blindfold, he would be in the thick of the woods by himself all night long. Every time, every time a twig snapped, he probably visualized a wild animal coming to devour him. He probably imagined a, a wolf leaping out at him. Every time the wind blew, he possibly wondered what might sinister sound that could be that could bring harm to his life. No doubt, it would be a terrifying night to be alone in the dark woods, unfamiliar, not knowing where you are, all by yourself with no weapons. After what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight began to happen, and it gets into the interior area of the forest and begins to brighten up. Looking around, the boy can see the flowers. He can see the trees. He can see the outline of a path. And then to his utter astonishment, he beholds the figure of a man standing just a few feet away from him, armed with a bow, armed with an arrow. It's the boy's father who had been there all night long looking over his son. Likewise, God never forsakes his children, even when you're in a belly of a fish. In our study of Jonah, we see that we as Christians need to you know, occasionally examine our own spiritual passion to see if we have drifted away from God or we're focused in the right direction toward God. Yet we know that God is willing to do whatever it takes, listen to this, to awaken our soul, to awaken our hearts so that we, He can bring us back to the focus and the purpose that He's called every one of us to have. And so the fish was a time of awakening for Jonah. It was an appointed process in Jonah's life to grab hold of his heart and to bring him back into the sense of God's presence and his purpose that God had for Jonah's life. And so Jonah had to make a decision. Am I going to listen to the distractions around me or am I going to focus on what I see, hear, and feel by what God is communicating me to me on this day? You see, once we become aware of the need to renew our spiritual passion. And once we come aware, become aware of our return to God, we must take the next step just like Jonah took in order to respond to the prompting of the Spirit of God to return back to God. In fact, Jonah's experience illustrates the steps back to God. And the same steps that Jonah had is the same steps that you and I can have as we make our way back to God. And it is based on those three things, confinement, confession, and communion. And let's look at Jonah's confinement. And let's talk about what it means to be confined in our steps back to God. 
In his testimony, the prophet wrote, The Lord appointed, he says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. There is much discussion about the nature of the fish. Was it a shark? Was it a whale? Or was it just this oversized fish that happened to be swimming by? Whatever the facts are, whatever fish it is, it had to be large enough to consume Jonah in one swoosh without chewing and swallowed him, and here he was, there he was inside the fish. I wonder if Jonah looked around and thought, oh, there's my watch. <laughs> you see, the type of fish really isn't important as the role of the fish. It was an appointed time God had for Jonah's life. It's an exciting time. Now, if you go swimming and you see a large fish, I advise you to run and don't think it's an appointed time, but don't be surprised if for some reason something strange occurs to grab your attention that creates for you and I an opportunity to see the appointed moment God has given us. And so this fish represents a few things. In Jonah's confinement, it represents a few things. And this is where the confinement process in our own life might help us to take the step back to God. Look at the representation of the fish. First of all, in verse 17, we, we, I mean, verse 7, we read uh, the fish, or verse 17, excuse me, of chapter 1, it says, um, Then the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish three days, three nights. Kind of interesting, and three comes back to focus on, uh, it gets back in focus, doesn't it? Jesus, what? Three days, rise again. All right, and so here was Jonah, and that fish represents a protective haven. It represents a protective haven. It was a protective haven for Jonah because it was from the sea. Jonah was in the fish. The fish represents God's provision and his protection. It represents that God intended to use Jonah, not to kill him. While the three days and the three nights in the belly of the fish had to be extremely difficult and had to be extremely painful, God had no intentions of killing Jonah. And so the steps back to God just may be a time in which God grabs a hold of our attention, and yet it's, it may be painful, it may be difficult in that confinement process to go through in our mind and our heart in order for us to see that God is not there to harm us or to see us fail. He's there to see us succeed, and He's there to preserve to us the life that He has given to us, the transformed life that God has given to all of us. Even though we're disobedient, God still loves us. God still cares for us. God desires to break Jonah's disobedient will so that Jonah can see victory back in his life and the confinement process that happens. And that confinement is this. Why, God, has this happened? Automatically, you have moved into your confinement. If you say to God, God, I can't see beyond this difficulty, you are in your confinement. Instead of asking why, ask what. What, God, are you teaching me during this difficulty? What are you teaching me 
and what are you showing me? And it just may be that in that confinement process that you're in in your mind and heart, it just may be that God is doing a work within you that is doing something to draw you closer to his will, closer to that purpose, closer to what he's called you to do, and to leave that disobedient lifestyle and to move towards the obedient lifestyle. For that matter, ask yourself, at what point, at what point is this happening to me? At what point is God teaching me truth? Jonah had to ask that question inside the belly of the fish. Why, what, what point did that fish swallow Jonah? Okay, think of this for a moment. Did it happen immediately? Did Jonah um, have to pass through certain things emotionally to get him to a point to where he saw that this was not an accident? This was not just a happen chance event. That this was an appointed time for Jonah to meet with God. Well, we know that it didn't happen immediately. Why do we know that? Because of what we read a moment ago. Jonah describes exactly what he's going through. In verse 3, he said, You threw me into the depths into the heart of the sea. Basically, the sailors on board got tired of Jonah and got tired of his bickering and complaining. They picked him up and threw him in the sea. And so we know that it didn't happen immediately. He says in verse 3, the waves, the current overcame me and all the breakers and the billows swept over me. So you've got to picture Jonah's thrown into the sea. The sea is massive and the sea is strong. The currents are very, very uh, strong at pooling in him. The waves are crashing over him, and it's overtaking him. He's tasting the sea. He's snorting in the sea. He's gasping for air. It didn't happen immediately. And then he thought, God, where are you? In verse 4, you've banished me. You've left me. Where are you, God? The water, he says in verse 5, swirls around me, all the way up to my neck. In fact, seaweed's wrapping around my neck as if it's strangling me. The water, he says, has overcome me, and he begins to sink. And right when he says he's about to die, but you have raised me up. And just before he dies, God rescues him. So how did God rescue him? By the fish. So all along, it could be the confinement process that you and I go through is not a punishment. It is a, a wake-up. It is a time of awakening to where God says, I've got you where I want you, and I've got an opportunity for you to see where I want to lead you. And right in that confinement process, we see all of that is really the protective haven that God has in our life, that He's doing something miraculous to rescue us from the dying moments of our life, the moments that are killing us, the moments that are drawing us away from God. And he wants us to, to understand that even though we're disobedient, God loves us and he's there to rescue us if we're able to listen. And then we see the personal transport. Three days and three nights, God commanded the fish 
and then he vomited Jonah on the dry ground. Three days, three nights, probably has nothing to do with the speed of the fish, but the time that Jonah needed to empty his sinful heart before God. And when Jonah was ready to obey God, the fish was ready to release him. And so the scenario represents God's sovereign timing. Not only the appointed process, but the timing is just as important. It's interesting that Jesus referred to the length of Jonah's fish ride when teaching his disciples about the resurrection in three days. God had a specific place that he wanted Jonah, he wanted this prophet to be, and to move from the wrong place to the right place. The Lord still desired for Jonah to go to Nineveh. Nineveh that was filled with not one person ready to hear the gospel message. And God was preparing something as a revival to take place in Nineveh, and Jonah was scared to go, and he didn't want to listen. He didn't want to go as God called him to go. And so he's in the middle of the ocean, and now inside the fish, and his God's working on him in that personal transport to get him from one place to another spiritually. And then the exciting thing is it became a private sanctuary. A private sanctuary. Jonah prayed to the Lord inside the fish. He didn't pray to the Lord as the fish opened his mouth. He didn't pray to the Lord as the fish vomiting back on ground. He prayed to the Lord while in the fish. What is a sanctuary? What makes a church an auditorium? A prayer closet. Even fish's belly, a sanctuary. It is the place that we encounter God. That becomes the sanctuary. The place where we encounter God. Now this is what happens when the distractions become real in our life. When the distractions are there, and every one of us has distractions, we have distractions right now in our life. I have distractions in my mind as I speak. And we have to choose. Are we going to succumb to those distractions and miss the encounter with God, or are we going to push those distractions aside so that we can have a sanctuary for God, an encounter with God? The belly of the fish became a wonderful prayer closet. It may have stunk, but it was a wonderful prayer closet for Jonah. And you know, that encounter with God grabbed the attention of Jonah. And that encounter that you and I have can grab our attention. And it can cause us to see things we've never seen before, hear things we've never heard before, and feel things that we didn't know existed. You see, God diminishes our sight to increase that sight. In other words, he, he allows things to happen to take our eyes and focus off one thing so that our eyes and focus can begin to see another. And when you encounter His presence, you will not be the same. And Jonah would never be the same after the belly of the fish Think of what happened inside the fish. Inside the fish, Jonah realized his utter dependence on God. 
his desperation in his voice, he says, I cried out for help. I cried out. In the midst of his storm, in the eye of his storm, he's crying out for God. He says, I have been banished and my life was fading away and then I remembered the Lord. When he exhausted all hope, God moved in into Jonah's life. When Jonah finally gave up every ounce of his strength of focusing on himself is when God moved in and swooped him up and there he was in a private haven, in a personal transport, and now in a private sanctuary inside the belly of a fish. Jonah got along with God and the voice of sin, the distractions of his life, and others became faint to Jonah. But the voice of God became loud and became very clear. Inside the personal sanctuary is where you hear the, you hear the voice of God and you hear it very clearly that you know that it's no other voice but the voice of your father speaking to his child, his son, and his daughter. So if you've wandered away from God and you've, you sense that your need is to renew the faith, then get alone with God find a private spot and meet with him. If that is your desire, it just may be if you continue to listen to the distractions, there is a fish coming for you. There is a time that God is going to appoint a dramatic event just so that you and I can be alone with God. Avoid that dramatic event and seek him today. And yet that private sanctuary is waiting you. If Jonah would have said, Lord, I surrender to your will, and which direction do I find Nineveh in? I'm willing to go. Jonah would have never experienced a fish because he would have listened. He would have been on track, and he would have done exactly what God was calling him to do. A second step back to God, not only the confinement, the confinement that happens in their spiritual life, in their spiritual mind and heart, is second of all, is Jonah's communion. And yet there comes a time in getting back to God, there is that need of communion. While offering this prayer, Jonah quoted from the Psalms. Did you realize that? All throughout what we read in Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, Jonah speaks the Psalms one right after another. And yet at least seven specific references are mentioned. In Psalm 42, verse 7, is the, the understanding of where Jonah said, your billows swept over me. He says, in I have been banished, which is compared to what Psalm 31, verse 22 says, where the psalmist says, I have been banished from your presence. And yet in Psalm 69, verse 1 Jonah says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 5, engulfed me up to my neck as the psalmist felt the pressure. And he says, I feel as if the pressure, I've been engulfed, everything all the way up to my neck. Jonah is making reference to that psalm. He says, my life was fading away. Compare it to Psalm 147, verse 3, where the psalmist felt as if he did not matter and his life was just fading right it's just so ever quickly. 
Jonah was quoting scripture. And then he says, he says, to your holy temple, I cry out to your holy temple, which is a reference to Psalm 18, verse 6, where the psalmist realizes that if the children of Israel were going to make an accomplishment with their life, they had to return to the holy temple. And then he makes reference to worthless idols, which is Psalm 31, verse 6, and where, he, where he speaks of the worthless idols or literally the empty nothingness. So Jonah is confessing to God. He says, my life is filled of emptiness and I have no worth based on what I see of my life because I'm so distracted with me that I can't see you. And so he says, salvation is from the Lord, which is a reference to Psalm 3, verse 8. And so we see that Jonah's communion is moving him from taking his eyes off himself and putting his eyes back on God. So why is the Word of God so critical to the spiritual recovery of our life? Why is the Word of God so critical to one's spiritual recovery? Well, we see that Jonah was quoting the Word of God in Psalm. All the way through his confession, he refers back to the Psalms. And so we see Jonah referring back to God's Word. So this reminds us of the value of hiding God's Word in our heart, Psalm 119.11. I hide thy Word in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. So as you think about this Word of God, during the communion time centered upon His Word, what does that Word do for us? First of all, God speaks through His Word. This reminds us of the importance of hiding our face into the Word of God, hiding our spiritual life into the Word of God. We talked about in Sunday school and other, and other to, to, to put on the character traits of God, the character traits of Christ. We've got to be in His Word to know what those character traits are. And so the same thing happens. If, you, if we are going to move from where we are to where God wants us to be, then we're going to have to allow the Word of God to speak to us. And Jonah says that by quoting all of those words. Jonah's hearing it. God is speaking to him inside the belly of the fish. His Word is being transcribed into his heart. And Jonah is hearing it. And God is speaking loud to Jonah. Jonah's hearing it. All the distractions are now cut off. The only thing Jonah has is the four interior walls of the belly of the fish and the presence of God, and he's hearing God speak. That's communion with God. When we hear God speak, and we hear that word speak, and second of all, why is it so critical to our spiritual recovery? Because the word of God guides our thoughts to become his thoughts. The word of God guides us. Our thoughts are then changed to the thoughts of God. So the Word of God itself begins to transform us in a spiritual focus so that we not only hear God, we begin to think what that Word says. And so Jonah is now so focused no longer upon the physical presentation of his life, he's now focused upon the spiritual dimension of his life. 
He's hearing God in a new language. He's hearing God speak in a thought level that he had no idea that he could comprehend. The Word of God begins to to transform the subconscious mind that becomes the conscious mind so that you begin to think as the Word of God speaks. And we think that Word. Jonah's thoughts were incongruent with God's thoughts. And the Word of God guided Jonah to understand and acknowledge God's thoughts about him. We see that happening as he says that he he realizes, but you have rescued me. Salvation comes from, from the Lord. He's hearing what the Word says, and he's starting to believe it, that inside the belly of the fish something good is happening. Not only is he starting to feel the muscles begin to contract inside the, the fish, knowing that, that maybe there's a way of an escape if he could ever just burp, but yet he had no idea that he was going to be thrown back upon dry ground so quick. But it wasn't until the cleansing effect happened And God's Word cleanses. It not only speaks to us, it not only guides us, but it cleanses us. Notice that Jonah's rebellious heart softened inside the belly of the fish. God's Word will always guide us back to Him if we follow it. God's Word will never lead us to the opposite. It will always lead us to what is right. Maybe we should look at God's Word like a man lost in the woods in view of a compass. You know, you take a compass and it shows you north, east, south, or west. You turn, the little, you turn a little bit. You might be a little bit northwest or northeast or southwest, southeast. The compass is there to let us know which direction north is, south is, west is, east is. But many times, our minds can't comprehend our location. So we pull out the compass And even though we're thinking, wait a minute, this thing's telling me I'm pointing north, but I really think I'm pointing east. If you go east, you're going the opposite direction of what the, or opposite way of what the compass is telling you to do. But if you trust the compass and you go north and north is your destination, you will find that destination. And the same thing happens in his word. You've got to trust the word. You've got to trust the word that it's going to do and have the effect that it's going to have in, our, in your personal life because that word will cleanse us from who we are so that we can see and experience who God is. And so the word of God is critical to our recovery so that we can, we can hear God speak, that our thoughts can be guided to his thoughts and that our life can be cleansed from us so that we can put on the man to put on the full armor of God. The third step back to God, not only the confinement period, that we, that's where we start throwing up our fist and saying, rescue me. But the confinement period might just be God's attempt to say, I'm going to leave you there just long enough for you to gurgle a little bit stronger on the water, taste the sea a little bit longer, even get a little bit nauseous because of that. But during that confinement, you will eventually experience communion, a communion with me that will blow your mind, your heart, and your your whole attitude of life because that's where I speak and I guide you and your thoughts become my thoughts and you feel the cleansing effect of me at work in your life during that communion. The third step back to God is confession. There comes a time where you've got to confess. Say to God, God, Here is my life. Here is 
my thoughts. Here are my, my, the sins of my life. And you confess it to God. I love what one person did. They kept going back to the altar and saying to God, God, here I am again. Deal with these cobwebs in my life. And every time they went to the altar, they said, God, here are my cobwebs. Here are the things that I need help with. And the pastor leaned over one day after hearing that prayer time and time again. He said, quit, playing, quit, quit praying for the removal of the cobwebs. Pray that God will remove the spider. And so that comes a time in our life in confession. We're no longer confessing the cobwebs. We're confessing the spider. We're confessing the true source of what's creating the problem in our life. And so, first of all, our response back in this confession, our, we have a response back to God, and it is to recognize His handiwork. It's not saying, God, you've brought this calamity in my life, and so therefore I am not, uh, I, I'm not hearing you. It's recognizing that this place I'm at is an appointed process in a sovereign moment where God has a special time for me to have communion with Him. And so we recognize that He is at work in our life. Jonah said, you threw me into the depths of the sea. He didn't say, you soldiers threw me in the depths of the sea. He says, God, you picked me up using the physical hands of the soldiers and you threw me in the sea. You know why? Because I was at a place in my life that the distractions were more important to me. The sin of my life was way more important to me. I was more important to me than anything else. It was all about I. It was all about what I can do. It was about my strength. And you picked me up. You threw me in the sea. Thank you, God, for drowning me and finding a fish to rescue me. That's the joy of coming to the conclusion that God is at work, that God's hand is at work in our life. You threw me in the depths. I was banished from your sight. You, your, he says. He recognizes that it was God at work in his life. He's recognizing that all of this was God's handiwork. Jonah makes the connection between his disobedience and God's correction. Furthermore, he holds God blameless and he does not hold God guilty of any actions. He sees himself as being blameful and he sees himself as being guilty. A second thing in our response back to God is to turn our eyes back to God. Jonah said, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Here's a good definition of backsliding, taking your eyes off God is a definition of backsliding. A good definition of repentance is turn your eyes back on God. And so Jonah says, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm confessing that you're at work. I'm confessing you've brought me to this place. And I'm, I'm putting my eyes back on you. And I'm confessing to you. And I'm repenting from my life. And I'm ready to go where you called me to go in the first place. So he turns his eyes back on God. And it's interesting that in verse 6, he's thankful. So he's thankful for his compassion. He says, but you, be you too. The buts that occur in Scripture is not that which is behind us. It is that which is before us. And buts are good. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. He says, I was thrown in the sea, but you raised me up. You raised me up from the, this pit. You raised me up from my death sentence. You raised me up from the sin of my life that was killing me. You raised me up from the selfishness that I had. You raised me up from my own pride. You raised me up from my own disobedience. You have raised me up from my pit, from the lowest place of my life. You took my eyes off me so that I could see my Lord God once again. So in case you missed it, Jonah offers thanksgiving to God for the way he delivered him. Not only the fact that he delivered him, but the way that he did it. He believes that God left him alive for a purpose. And number four and last is renew your commitment to him. In verse nine, he says, I will fulfill my vows. I will honor the vows that I made to you from the very beginning, God, and I'm ready to go. Repentance without obedience results in failure, but true repentance creates change and success. And Jonah was ready for the success of his life, not based on his actions, but based on God's appointed moment and sovereign timetable for Jonah's life. It's said that an eastern shepherd, as he brings his sheep back to the fold each night, stands at the door and counts each sheep to make sure they're all accounted for. As he does, he puts his hand on the head of every sheep and every animal. He makes it a habit of touching every sheep so that they will no, not grow careless or not feel neglected because they feel the touch of the shepherd. It would soon turn its head away from the voice of the shepherd if they didn't know they were cared for or if they were neglected. This, of course, could be very serious as we see it in the life of Jonah. Would such a broken spirit would follow the animals actually ignoring the warning of the shepherd and could be disastrous for the sheep, as it was in the case of Jonah. If we are experiencing the shepherd's touch in our daily life, then we will recognize the voice when the warning of impending danger occurs, and as in the case of Jonah. This will mean practicing the presence of God daily in our life. If we do not practice that presence, then we will be practicing the presence of the enemy. Our Lord awaits the moment to touch each of us so that we can be renewed into his presence. And all of this happened so that Jonah could have a renewal experience with God so that Jonah would be ready to stand once again and say, I am your soldier and I'm marching to the, the drumbeat of your heart and I'm ready to accomplish whatever you've called me to do. I'm ready to go to a place that I know that is going to be totally resistant to the message. I'm ready to speak to a people who's calloused because of their sin. I'm ready to go wherever you call me to go, even if there's no voice to hear me. And Jonah was so committed. Why? Because God was so committed to Jonah. And he rescued him just when he needed rescuing. And when Jonah got to that point of renewal, 
and he got to that point of which he com committed himself back to God, then all of a sudden, the fish got a little bit antsy and released Jonah on the dry ground. And it took three days and three nights for that to happen. So what are you going to do with God, what God is saying to you today? Are you going to run? <laughs> I dare say we might be a little scared because there may be a big fish coming. Or are we going to renew ourselves in His presence daily? So let me ask you this question. Are you practicing the presence of God daily in your life? That's what it was all about. So that Jonah could experience the presence of God in truth and in spirit all over again. And it took a fish for that to happen. Are you practicing the presence of God daily? God has an appointed time for each of us, and it begins inside His presence. It's returning back to that holy moment, that holy temple, that holy place, that sanctuary, and, and experiencing and encountering God for who He is. Today is a, a wonderful challenge. God, I'm not looking for a fish to swallow me up. No, today I'm looking for your presence to invade my presence as I practice who you are every day of my life. Will you make that commitment to seek God and to seek His presence daily? First of all, if you've never come to know Christ, then you don't understand the presence. But once you do, you'll be blown away. <laughs> and once you come to know Christ, there distractions happen. And we follow those distractions. And it leads us down a path of sorriness. It leads us down a path of regret. But yet, God is there. Even in the midst of the sorriness and regret, He's always tugging at the door of a heart, knocking. And it's just simply saying, God, I return back to you. So the commitment is to realize, as Jonah realized, today is salvation. And today is a renewal experience. Will you commit to receiving whatever the need is of your life and to receive this day what God is waiting to give you. Father, we thank you that you call us together as a body in Christ, as a people with spiritual eyes and a spiritual heart, as a people focused on you and to hear your, hear your, your word, to hear, to hear your presence and to feel your presence and to see your presence in the midst of whatever we're going through in life. Father, thank you for the admonishment this morning, the hope that we hear inside this beautiful book of Jonah, the story of his life, of where he was and what happened to him in the middle of it and where he went, where he was at a place in the selfishness to the point of obedience to God. We thank you that you used so many circumstances all around Jonah's life to communicate to us that you're using the circumstances all around our life to bring us back closer to you, to not set us up for failure and not to draw us away from you, but to bring us to a point of success and to bring us to a place where we're closer to you. Thank you, Father, for giving us that invitation today, to giving us that challenge today, that admonition to walk closer with you and to sense your presence and to sense your realness. Thank you, God, 
for loving us in spite of who we are and providing beyond what we could ever imagine and ever dream that we need in life. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. My friend, we want to stand and sing together a song, a song that becomes for us an invitation song, a beautiful hymn, I Surrender All. And as we surrender all, let's give that one commitment today to God. The, the altar's open for you to come and pray. Um, spend as much time as you need, but don't pray for the cobwebs. Pray to get rid of the spider and let God deal with it. Let him bring new life into you today. I'm here to receive you as well, to receive your commitment, to pray with you, to guide you, direct you. If we don't have enough time, we'll set up a time later this week. So let's give God our commitment today as we stand together and sing that song, I Surrender All. So let's stand. Jesus, I surrender. 